Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you doing? Uh, you know, compared to how things have been going in the, the past several days, uh, pretty well, pretty good. Um, we will get into it in the show, but Kentucky was hit by a significant windstorm that infected people across the state, including me. Uh, so I, I didn't have power for most, uh, well, all of all of the weekend and into yesterday. So putting together uh, the show was a bit of a, a, a dicey situation, but we are here to talk about stuff. Uh, and w- what we are talking about this week, uh, unsurprising, is a bunch of anti-trans legislation. Now, we've talked about this, I don't know, pretty much every show since the legislature came back, but things keep happening, bad and worse things keep happening. So Jasmine's going to update us again on more anti-trans legislation as it moves through the legislature. I'm going to talk a little bit about the windstorm that has affected so many Kentuckians, including me and my family. And then we'll do a, a set of political updates that involve both elections and stuff that's going on in the legislature besides this anti-trans moral panic. So, Jasmine, no guest also, just so you know. Uh, without any further ado, tell us what we need to know about uh, SB 115 and HB 470. Okay, so last week after we recorded a drag ban and a ban on gender transition services for minors both saw changes and movement. Um, So the changes to each bill are good changes that make them, I guess, slightly less repugnant, but they're still just absolutely devastating bills uh, to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, So let's, let's get into them. So, First is the drag ban. That's Senate Bill 115. That's sponsored by Lindsay Titchener. And the original bill banned drag performances and other things like stores that sell sex toys, strip clubs, anything like that, um, within a thousand feet of nearly anything, like a walking trail or any residence. And I think this version of the bill would very likely be unconstitutional um, because it would prevent a drag performance and these other things from happening just about literally anywhere. Yeah, that would be like a First Amendment issue, right? Yeah, definitely. The new version removes the thousand feet language and focuses solely on adult performances, which are defined as performances involving male or female impersonators that appeal to the prurient interest um, regardless of whether or not they're performed for consideration. So what is is that? I'm sorry. What does that mean? Prurient interest regardless of whether or not performed for consideration. What does that consideration means like for like money? Gotcha. Like whether or not they're free. So even if it's free, it's not a big consideration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then Prurient interest is just like an interest in a sexual matter. I see. Okay. Okay. So the new version of the bill is targeting Drag. drag performances. And now it doesn't have this thousand feet language, but 
They cannot be performed in a publicly owned space or a place where minors could be. Um, so that's still really broad because a lot of places are publicly owned, like parks, um, Schools, libraries, yeah, things libraries, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't think that we're having drag performances at, at schools. Um, so I'm, you know, that's not really what I'm thinking about here, but that in- includes a lot of places and any place where a minor could be is also a lot of places. So I think that that means that it would encompass like a pride festival because yeah. mm-hmm. minors could, could be, be there, there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. and it'll probably likely be in a public place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it, even though it, it sounds more narrow because it removes a lot of language. It, I think it has pretty broad appeal. It sounds like under the bill, like in order to, ha- in order to have a drag performance, there had to be like a bouncer and enclosed windows and like a foyer where they're like checking IDs and sending people like to yeah, the back. Yeah, definitely. It would have to be completely enclosed where minors are, are not allowed at all, I think. Um, so, yeah. So it, al- so, it also criminalizes violations. So, the first two fences- offenses would be misdemeanors, and then it would be enhanced to a felony, and businesses could lose business license, liquor license, things like that for violations. Um, the bill passed out a committee last week. Drag queen politics testified against it as did Republican former Republican Representative Bob Helleringer, who has um, been in Frankfurt testifying against a lot of these anti-LGBTQ bills. Um, Chris Hartman from the Fairness Campaign and, and Kate Miller from the ACLU testified against it as well. Um, and I know, t- I know Tennessee just passed mm-hmm. some sort of drag ban as well, and it, it looks like... Kentucky has one on the move. Yeah. Too. I mean, it's, it certainly is like a contagion. Uh, these bills, these anti-trans and anti-drag bills. Uh, yeah. And Tennessee certainly had theirs passed. And, you know, all of a sudden this kind of, I don't know if it was a shell bill, but it wasn't definitely wasn't something that was filed like before the session started. You know, it, it's SB 115 or whatever. So filed a little later in the session. It's all of a sudden making its way through the legislature. I mean, it, it seems to think, like, equate drag at the same level that, like, the state, equi- you know, uh, thinks of, like, strip clubs or something like that. Like, as if that's exactly the same thing. That seems to be, to me, what, what this is going for. And, and I don't know, that just seems to be totally ridiculous. It's like, it's, these are, I mean, it's drag. It's, it's comedy almost. It's, 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 it's own thing, which is so separate from you know like a strip i don't know i i kind of understand if you are completely divorced from that community or have never experienced you know what that's like (laughs) but i i i i can see even i can see how much different it is than 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 like going to a strip club or something like that so this is just seems absolutely ridiculous but i guess it's what they had to do in order for it to pass constitutional muster uh it's just really really unfortunate another part of this this like moral panic that's happening yeah, it it's just strange to me how afraid se- people seem to be of drag when it, it's forms of drag have existed for 
centuries and and i mean if you if you take if you take this literally i mean shakespeare yeah is is dragged there uh, there are a lot shows. of scenes in shakespeare <laughs> that are um discussing sexual topics mm-hmm. where men are playing women and vice versa and so i you know i i don't really understand the panic and i I tweeted about this, but the last couple times that I've been to drag brunch at Lemu, there's been a teenage girl there celebrating a 16th or 17th birthday. And the last time I was there, there was a girl who was having her sweet 16 there with her whole extended family, like aunts, uncles, grandparents, (laughs) and they had the best time. And the drag queen sang happy birthday to her. And I, I just don't understand like why that's so frowned upon. <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot of this. I mean, to give it like, I mean, it, I don't really even know if like fair a fair shake is like the best way to put it. But like, I think a lot of this kind of stuff happened whenever there was like the drag queens reading to children at libraries, which I think was like where a lot of this started. And those kind of those things kind of went viral on like Fox News and Tucker Carlson or whatever. But I mean, I I mean, I don't understand. The, the reaction where you see something like that and you just go absolutely nuts. It's like kids love clowns, you know, and, and drag queens are not clowns. That's not that's not what they are. But it's like an exaggerated performance of something, you know, a little silly or a little goofy. It's, yeah, like it's camp. Yeah, like exactly. That's what it is. And and it's it's it's, you know, and, and just like everything else, like it can be sexual. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that like adults don't want i mean there's already laws on the books about against like doing like sexual things in front of minors and 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 like those laws are sufficient to prevent like a lot of uh, bad things from happening uh and drag itself does not need that level of criminalization it's it's just it's just a moral panic and it is certainly something that seems to be catching the attention of a lot of conservatives and republicans across the state and across this the country so that's that's really unfortunate there, there was some testimony too about economic impact, which I think there's something to be said about as well because drag shows are good money makers for yeah. businesses. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I would, you know, I think if you have to, if there's all this liability involved to make sure that minors can't be in the vicinity and you can't have them in any publicly owned space, you know, businesses would likely shy away from dealing with it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's where we're headed for sure. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think there's something to be said about that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it it looks like this bill um, is moving. And so we'll see if that one passes. Uh, But the next one, I think we have talked about on the show, um, and that's the gender transition for minors ban. And that one's sponsored by Jennifer Decker from Shelby County. And House Bill 470, which bans any form of gender transition for minors, including social transition, um, but certainly puberty blockers and um, reassignment surgery, anything like that. That also got a committee substitute last week, and the committee substitute was not even publicly available when the bill 
was being voted on. And so um, most people didn't really know exactly what the changes looked like until after the vote had already happened. But the new version removes language about social transition. It removes mental health providers from the bill, and it also removes a criminal a criminal penalty pr- for providers, but still includes license revocation and a legal cause of action. Uh, but I, I saw Alex Aquisto tweeting about this, and she's a journalist a for look, the Herald Leader, right? Yeah, and took a look at the bill for myself and cross referenced the statutes contained in the definitions and. I don't think that the changes fix what was meant to be removed um, because while it does remove explicit mention of mental health providers, it the bill includes healthcare facilities as defined in KRS chapter 216B, which includes mental health providers. And the bill still prohibits gender affirming care, which is the definition did not change in the committee sub and it's still defined as treatment that supports a gender transition, which is very broad language. Right. And so while these explicit mentions were removed, I don't think it necessarily does either of those things. So, so even though the very, very specific unambiguous language is removed, this ambiguous language is still in the bill, which includes all of the things that were unambiguously removed. Is that a good way to put that? Yes. Or at least a way that makes sense in my head. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. So it doesn't really fix anything. It just maybe makes things less clear. (laughs) Correct. Um, So, the current version seems to be meant to really focus on banning any medical transition. So it, it still includes any surgery, puberty blockers, hormones, any, anything like that. Um, but it, it does still prevent other things like preventing legal name change or it prevents the Department of Juvenile Justice for, from classifying someone other than their sex assigned at birth. Things like that. And it passed committee before being voted on the floor just about an hour later. Last week, several people testified against the bill. Um, One was a a pediatrician from Northern Kentucky, and he testified saying that, you know, what what this bill is banning and, and deeming unethical and unprofessional is what the standard of care is. Um, others testified against the bill, including Chris Hartman of the Fairness Campaign, Miles Joyner, who is a trans therapist, um, a representative from the Kentucky Psychological Association, another physician from Bowling Green, Rebecca Blankenship, who was just on our show a couple weeks ago, and Fisher Wells, who's a trans child who testified against the trans sports ban um, and the past session, um, which is incredibly brave of her to do. And it's something that she shouldn't have to do as a, as a teenage kid. Yeah. She's like 13 or 14 and she's been in Frankfurt, like fighting for, you know, basically her very life two two sessions in a row. Yeah. Yeah. 
Three doctors testified in favor of the bill, um, two of whom were from out of state, and one is part of a group that's been designated by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a hate group. And they also heard testimony from a person from Nebraska who has detransitioned. Other people who testified, though, said that detransition is rare, and a 2022 article says that that number is about 2.5%. Three Republican representatives voted against the bill in committee, and it turned out that those same three were the only ones who voted against it on the floor as well, and those were Stephanie Dietz, Kim Banta, and Kim Mosier. They're all three those all three of those are from northern Kentucky and are like Republicans from like the Covington, Newport, Boone County area, uh, which is a little bit I mean, more moderate. They're kind of more moderate Republicans. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And Kim Kim Mosier sponsors a lot of bills around health care and mental health. And she she was very concerned. She spoke a lot in committee and spoke out against it on the floor and was concerned about the mental health impact, but also the impact on healthcare and on, you know, having providers provide medical care in our state and and things like that. And um, she had a a line that made it into a lot of the media about this, where she said, we're not Neanderthals. Well, (laughs) (laughs) but but here we are. Um, But yeah, so those were the only three who voted against it. Killian Timoney did not vote. He was asked later and said he was prepping for his bill that was going to be heard in committee, which I think you're going to talk about a little later, um, but said he would have voted no. So I believe that's why he didn't vote, um, because I don't know why he would tell us after that he he would have voted no if if he wasn't going to. And then Democrat Ashley Tackett Lafferty didn't vote either. I think I think whenever I saw that three Republicans voted against it in committee, I I maybe had hope that there might be a few other moderate Republicans that might vote against it on the floor. Um, maybe Republicans from Louisville or someone like Representative Hebron, who's a younger legislator, um, but but no dice there. Yeah. Um, it turns out Republicans are Republicans. Uh, and even though there are four of them that, you know, are likely to like, would, voted no or said they would have voted no, that's that's about it. I think that that's probably about it in terms of the people here in Kentucky who are willing to stick their neck out against their party and against their fear of a primary challenge on behalf of the very lives of the trans people in the state. So, Yeah. Um, so... On the floor, a number of legislators spoke out against the bill, including Kim Mosier and then a a host of Democrats. Uh, Lisa Wilner was one who is a psychologist, and she she kind of schooled Jennifer Decker about the science. Jennifer Decker said the bill was based on a Swedish study, and Lisa Wilner was aware of it and said she was misrepresenting it. Um, other other people who spoke out against it included Tina Bojanowski, Josie Raymond, 
Um, and then a lot of newcomers like Chad All, Daniel Grossberg, Sarah Stalker, Rachel Rourke's, Lindsay Burke. Um, and then in one floor speech that I think has like gone a little viral was Pamela Stevenson's. Um, but I thought it was really nice to see. Oh, another one was Ruth Ann Palumbo, who you That's know has been surprising. in the legislature yeah. for a really long time, and you know isn't isn't out here giving floor speeches every day anymore. And so, um, I think the others that I didn't mention were, were also Rachel Roberts, but it, it was it was really cool to see a lot of the the rookies in the house giving floor speeches and. Uh, unfortunately it, it doesn't matter or make a difference um but yeah yeah only only one legislator spoke in favor of the bill it was nancy tate she usually doesn't support a lot of things i no, no, agree she, with <laughs> she's she's among the worst for sure uh, one of the things that is really interesting to me like i think on a lot of these like culture war issues a lot of times you know republicans or like conservatives will want to get their you know their vote on the record or their voice on the record so they can you know talk about how much they they stepped up to do this and yeah like only one person spoke in favor of it before it went it went to a vote um and and you know that that's a little surprising to me and i think it also just goes to show that you know even though they're well on down the track here and everybody's going to take their turn at, you know, putting these bills forward against trans people, I feel like they feel like maybe this is a little much because they're not willing to kind of speak up on it. But, you know, I don't think that's going to stop them because, you know, they got a lot of bills to, to get through and, and a lot of people to appease who want to they do. There are enough people that do want to have their bill on this issue heard. So very, very unfortunate. Yeah, so the bill passed the House 75 to 22, um, so it still has to get through the Senate. But, I mean, this is a bill that seems to have a ton of Republican support. It had a ton of sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even though it's House Bill 470, it, it seems to be a priority yeah, um, yeah. And to I, Republicans. I'm, I think the fact that it's HB 470 means, and I, I think that it has something to say about the Republican caucus. Like, I think, you know, this is not a bill that the leadership intended to hear this year, but there was enough of a groundswell inside of their very, very conservative caucus to, to force their hands to kind of say, okay, well, what are the things that we can do to make this a little bit more constitutionally sound? Uh, what are the things that we can do to maybe temper this a little bit? Because even though we don't want to do this, we don't want to drive away business or whatever, like our caucus is demanding that we do this. And that's something that we're probably going to see more and more of. It's very scary, very, very sad. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what there is to say. Like there, this bill is factually bankrupt. There's, there's no scientific basis around it. Uh, there is a, a bunch of people who are scared of trans people uh, because of ignorance or because of, you know, uh, political reasons or whatever. Uh, and it's it's really going to I mean, this is a bill that really freezes care for people who are seeking a, a solution to a problem that they have. Like, you know, they're they're the wrong gender. They're presenting as the wrong gender. And and that's causing a lot of harm that now cannot be fixed um in in any kind of you know in in a in in the most appropriate way and and that's really really sad and unfortunate so that's uh i guess that's where we are um yeah Uh, well anything else you want to say about these uh these bills attacking trans folks jasmine 
I think we, you know, we've we've talked about this week after week, but I I think what what the legislature is doing with so many of these bills is just making it so a lot of people don't want to live here anymore. I think, yeah. and I just wonder what Kentucky might look like in, in 10 years. Um, because we, you know, Tennessee, Tennessee has these cities like Nashville and Memphis. And, and I don't, I don't think we necessarily have the same kind of big cities that other conservative States like Tennessee do. And, and so I, you know, I just don't know if, if people are going to be willing to stay here, if we keep passing bills like this, if if my if my husband can't provide gender affirming care to teenagers, which is their job, where are we going to go? You know, how long are we going to stay? And so i I think I think they're just doing a big disservice, not a huge disservice and so much harm to trans people, but also just to all Kentuckians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, on that specific point, you know, one of the, th- this wasn't really brought out as, as much in Kentucky. Uh, I don't think that our Democrats really took this tact very much, but in Tennessee, it really was like, you know, why are you trying to arrest the, you know, the development of, of, of Nashville, which is, you know, such an important economic driver for our state. And it's just like, they don't care. That's not something they're after. They don't care about the health of cities or the people that live in them. And and it, it really is like in, in rural states, we are dominated by rural legislators who really just don't, I mean, they don't show a lot of compassion for people that live live in cities uh and i mean i've said it many times that like the rural urban divide is like the most salient political divide in in the country um and and you know a lot a lot has been said about urban people saying you know misunderstanding rural people and not um you know not giving enough credit to 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 the folks that live there and that's very true you see it on social media every day where you know people who live in big cities are are looking down upon or are casting aspersions at people who live in rural areas but i mean it it is absolutely true in the other direction that in a state like kentucky and a state like tennessee west virginia arkansas louisiana the list goes on texas being maybe the biggest one florida uh that that people from rural areas are really stacking the deck against people that live in urban areas and in kind of the way that we would rather you know our cities be be governed and 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 that's i don't know uh it's really tough it's really tough uh to to sit here and and watch it happen and i don't really know where it stops or where it goes from here so yeah and and i'm one of those people who wants to stick up for my state and stay in it forever but you know, I just wonder if there's some point for, you know, for people who are more marginalized than me, you know, at what point can they not stay anymore? <laughs> it, yeah. It's already unsafe for so many people. It, especially um, when it, yeah, especially people who have the means to leave. And of course, they, that's yeah. not everybody. But like, I, I would I mean, the, if you do like who would who would look sideways at anybody who chose to leave a state that's treating the, their marginalized community in this in this way? It's. I think that's it. I think, you know, these these type of bills just disappoint me so much in, in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it 
I don't know what it is about this year. I don't know what is it about this issue this this specific year. Uh, it is really scary. I, I mean, you know, we we went through this with with you know gay marriage, and we went through this with a lot of like gay rights stuff fifteen years ago or so, and it was very very scary back then. And I mean, it, and not that it not that it doesn't continue to be, but we don't see the level of vitriol against uh, a, a gay gay people in the same way. In the same way, we do see it in different ways. Um, but but you know, maybe that's the level of uh, situation we can aspire to, which is really scary and sad to think about because it's not good. Uh, yeah, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. All right, let's talk about something a little bit more cheerful, Jasmine. A natural disaster. I don't want to make light of that though, because it did it, this natural disaster did did result in the death of at least five people across Kentucky. So. We almost didn't have a show this week because severe weather hit Kentucky on Friday, uh, the worst of which was a windstorm that impacted nearly the whole state. During the storm, which happened on Friday, three tornadoes were uh, were tracked as they touched down across the state, including one pretty close to Paducah. And yes, five people across the state died. The wind and the pressure, uh, which the low pressure is what causes winds like this, they set records for Kentucky. Uh, they essentially were the same as a Category 2 hurricane, uh, those winds were, uh, and many counties in Kentucky saw gusts of wind over 70 miles an hour. Louisville, which of course has a lot of infrastructure for measuring weather as a, a, a bigger city, uh, recorded a gusts, gusts of up to 79 miles an hour. With respect to those deaths, I, the worst ongoing issues uh, related to the storm were, were power outages throughout the state that significantly impacted urban and rural areas. More than 340,000 people lost power across the state. Louisville had nearly 80,000 people who remained without power at the end of the day on Friday, which there were a lot of people who lost power immediately, had it turned back on a couple hours later. 80,000 people, including me, uh, who did not have power at the end of the day Friday. So crews worked diligently to restore power to a great number of people by Sunday night. But nearly 100,000 unlucky folks across the state, again, including me, didn't have power until the work week had started. So my my family in our house actually did have power restored on Monday night around 6 o'clock. That was a great feeling, a great relief uh, that I no longer uh, had to shuttle my family back and forth between my parents' house. I don't know how you folks who don't have family in town do it. Uh, that's tough. It's a tough way to live life. Uh, so I was glad to have them as a resource, and their power was still on. So that was fortunate for, for us. Many thousands of Kentuckians, though, are still without power. I think the date and time when they expect to have a lot of this wrapped up is Wednesday night uh, towards the end of the day. School was shut down on uh, on Monday in Louisville, and schools have yet to open in Lexington. I think they do plan to open tomorrow, which is Wednesday, but they were closed on Monday and Tuesday. And, of course, there were a great many closures of smaller school districts across the state. So the windstorms are yet another natural disaster for Governor Bashir to manage. Uh, this storm has brought a significant amount of damage into Kentucky, but unlike the floods and the tornadoes of 2022, the damage is pretty spread out. You know, um, there's a lot of houses across Kentucky with a lot of damage, but not, you know, this. And it is kind of concentrated to places where it might have been worse because of tree situation or like the, the age of the houses or whatever. But you're not seeing like one county absolutely devastated like you did in 
between the Western Kentucky tornadoes or the Eastern Kentucky flooding. So I don't know. Is that going to have an impact on the ongoing relief efforts uh, since we are all hurting as opposed to the rest of us kind of coming together to aid one area that has issues? Andy Bashir also did go to McCracken County on Sunday to tour one of the hardest hit areas in the state. And he kind of was a presence before, during, and after the storm. I remember he uh, projected and told everybody to, you know, heed warnings about about the wind. Um, yeah, which which did ended up being pretty scary. Jasmine, where were you during the storm? How did you come through it? I was working from home, and we didn't lose power at all except for a few minutes on saturday i guess while they were working to restore power ours went out for a couple minutes um while i was drying my hair for like an acting thing that i had and i was like oh no um but it came back on so i i just felt super lucky because most people i know didn't have power and it was people from all different ends of louisville Mm -hmm. um but we we've been there before there was a weekend i think last year where ours was off for two days and there's nothing worse than having a refrigerator and freezer full of groceries and oh yeah that you just have to throw everything away (laughs) it was it was pretty brutal although you know it was expensive and frustrating and sad. We had great leftovers, right? We had made this like pork shoulder that we were like really excited to eat for like leftovers over the weekend. I had to throw the whole thing away. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, my, my daughter is, is not cut out for the uh, no power lifestyle. Uh, she, um, she kept telling us that we needed batteries. And in fact, by Sunday night, she just was in her crib, just screaming batteries, batteries, because she was so tick- sick of not having power. She actually introduced herself uh, one day as saying, I'm two and I don't have power. That was what she said. Um, <laughs> and this, this, this this defines my life. <laughs> yes. When uh, when she woke up this morning and discovered that we did have power, you know, I asked her, what is the thing that you're the most happy about? And she said, I want to open the refrigerator. So there you go. That is uh, how how we came through it. Uh, it was it was no fun, but yeah, like you said, you know, this is just a thing. You go through it could have been a lot worse, of course, with with the deaths and you know a lot of destruction. I some neighbors having to deal with tree situations. You know, mm-hmm. I am going to have to call yeah. a roofer for like some stuff that you know just to check it out, maybe deal with some shingle issues. But yeah, uh, could been could have been a lot worse. Uh, and um, you know, definitely thinking of the people for whom um, this has made a, s- a much more serious impact. So. Those were the windstorms here in Kentucky. Before we end the show, I, I we do have a few political updates we kind of just want to go through. So first of all, a pro Kelly Craft Super PAC has put out an ad attacking Daniel Cameron as being, quote, a soft establishment teddy bear, unquote. The ad actually has Daniel Cameron as a little teddy bear, which I don't know. That's kind of cute, but uh, it, that's not, I think, what they were going for. <laughs> Uh, while it's pretty early to be going negative, you know, uh, we well, we you know, there's two months left in the race. Uh, Cameron does seem to have a pretty significant lead, and if Kelly Craft wants to win this thing, this is probably what she's going to have to do. I, I don't know if it's going to hurt Cameron if he gets this nomination uh, that he's had all these attack ads come at, at him since they seem to be coming from like the right or I don't know the less establishment side of the republican uh nomination which i don't think they're gonna vote for andy Bashir, but it's definitely not good for him um so jasmine have you seen the ad uh what do you think about kelly craft going negative at this juncture in the race 
Yeah, I've seen the ad. I I like the picture of Daniel Cameron in like a magical forest. <laughs> it's like Daniel <laughs> Cameron doing? in a Midsummer's Night Dream. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think you're right that maybe this is what she might have to do. I I don't I don't enjoy negative ads in any campaign. I don't think anyone likes seeing them all the time like no one just likes seeing campaign commercials but based on the recent polling that we saw which I don't know how accurate it is I mean he had a huge lead and Kelly Craft had I would say some some flubs maybe and she has she's got to do something to um make a dent in Daniel Cameron's name recognition and in the lead he's had in polling so far. Yeah, you know, it is kind of crazy to I was like, wow, this is really early, but it is March the 7th, so we are like just 2 months away from this this election and it just barely feels like it's even happening uh which i had expected it to be a much bigger deal at this point we'll see if it doesn't accelerate in the next couple of months or if it just kind of like defaults to daniel cameron so we will we'll definitely be looking at that uh and yeah uh the the first debate is tonight um it'll be on spectrum which is a channel i don't get so i'll have to get the blow by blow uh later on uh, maybe on the but check on the internet or something like that, or maybe they'll put up a recording later. Um, but yeah, the first debate uh, is tonight, and we'll see if there, there's any news that comes out of that as well. All right, so we talked last week, I think, uh, about gray machines, which are either legal skill games or illegal gambling, depending on who you ask. They are like, I don't know, little gambling games inside of convenience markets and gas stations and stuff across the state. Uh, and there's a pretty significant attempt to ban them going on by the horse industry, which, of course, has historical horse racing, which is just slot machines that are also in convenience stores and gas stations. And they would like to not share that revenue with uh, other entities w- who have similar offerings. And so they are trying to ban them. Um, and the attempt to do that. Uh, was uh, kind of thwarted a little bit this week. Uh, it hit a significant snag. So a motion to place the bill on the table was actually carried. So ma- putting the bill on the table, that, that's not something you see every day in the legislature, but it's basically, uh, it happens a lot in like committee meetings at church, right? What is we're going to do with this issue? Let's let's deal with it later. So you put it, you lay it on the table. You let you do, that's kind of what that means. And it was kind of a test vote, and it it carried. So the bill is on the table, and that kind of indicates to the Republicans who are running the legislature that their caucus is not in support of this of, of this bill. Uh, Democrats didn't vote by and large. A few did, but you know it seems like if the Republicans want to ban this bill ban gray machines or get to get this bill to pass they're gonna need democrats help 
there are still 20 Democrats, and if they all vote in the same way, they can swing the vote, vote for either side. But it's like unlikely that they're going to do that for nothing. So we'll see if we can't extract something uh, if they truly want to ban these gray machines. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, there's much, much more serious things, in my opinion, happening in the legislature this year. Much, much more consequential and just terrifying things that are going on. But this, to me, is the most dramatic thing. This is the thing that is carrying the most drama. And uh, it's it's a little it's a little bit the difference between, um, you know, like a PBS documentary about the climate crisis versus like a show on Bravo. Uh, that's kind of how I consider the gray machine ban versus some of this trans stuff that you talked about earlier. Jasmine, what do you think is going to happen with gray machines this session? I don't know. It. <sighs> It kind of seems like it could die unless they can give Democrats something, but I don't know what that something would be. Yeah, I don't either. Maybe table some of this uh, trans stuff. We'll see if they are willing to give some of that up. We'll see. Uh, I I think that would be a great trade. That would be good. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a great trade. Hopefully they're willing to make it. I don't know if they will. I think it's unlikely. Um, I think that probably first they will try to apply as much pressure on some of the Republican holdouts on the bill. Um, But it's it's Mm -hmm. I feel like they've probably already kind of gone as far as they can on that route since it came to the floor. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Killian Timoney, who's carrying this bill, you know, didn't vote on one of these really consequential trans bills because he's working on this bill, trying to get people onto his side. Um, So. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough one. So that's that's gray machines. We'll see what happens in the rest of the se- session. This one's really annoying. Um, state workers were due raises of about twelve percent. They were budgeted in the state budget that was passed in twenty twenty two. The legislature this year, however, has decided to cut those raises in half. So HB four forty four this year approves about eighty nine million dollars for six percent raises across the board as opposed to the $200 million that the budget called for in 2022. The legislature, their main reason for this is that they say that Governor Bashir's salary study was insufficient, which I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't get this. Like, what what do you need, like, proof that these people deserve more? I, I, don't, I don't really get it. Like, just raise the salaries. Just do it. Like, it's just, it's really egregious to me. I, I don't understand it. I think it's a weak excuse, mostly trying to blame Andy Bashir and really just them coming off as mean to state workers. So, I don't know. What do you think about that, Jasmine? Uh, it's terrible. A lot of people expected to be getting those raises. A lot of new state workers accepted jobs expecting 12% raises for when they already make, you know, pretty low pay. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, when the governing party doesn't care about the operations of state government, you're in real trouble in terms of, uh, trying to get a, a functional situation off the ground here. Uh, so I really, I really hurt for the people that are not getting, uh, the, the raise or the salary that they expected to get. And that's very, very, very frustrating. You know, it sucks on that level, but also, like, I hope Republicans didn't want to carry Franklin County this year, even though they had been kind of trending in the right direction for that county. Likely to flip the other way in a hard way because of this one, so... All right, last thing to talk about, uh, Savannah Maddox. She's right-wing on just about every issue, but I think she's probably the furthest right on the issue of guns. 
She had a bill this year to ban public institutions of higher education from restricting concealed carry on their campuses. That bill did not get a hearing, but it was attached to uh, a shell bill, HB 542, and that bill was approved by a House committee and sent to the floor. This bill is opposed by the Council on Post-Secondary Education and uh, you know most people who deal with higher education, but of course supported by the NRA and gun lovers uh, everywhere, which there are a lot of them in this state. So that's a really scary bill too. Um, you know, there have been a lot of school shootings on college campuses kind of recently, and this is i don't think gonna make that any better so that's what i have to say about that one anything you want to say about the, the this gun bill jasmine that one would be really bad as well <laughs> yeah well man i'm ready for this session to be over uh we only have a few more legislative days left for sure so that's that all right that's our show for this week no guest uh and a lot of bad news uh but you know we're here. We're alive. I've got power. You've got power. And, you know, we'll be doing this again next week. Jasmine, how can people get a hold of us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old KY pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter. You can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we've got a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we are part of the Demcast network and the Ford Kentucky network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. 